Thanks for listening to the church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. So this morning as we continue in our Given Life series, um, I just kind of want to remind you of what you've been asked to give. It is so easy for us to kind of dial down, dumb down, to, to uh, become deaf to the voice of God and to forget the most obvious things around us. And the simple truth is, God has asked for your life. In Mark 8.35, Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And it seems so counterintuitive that God would say this, but this is, this is the call of God. God has asked you not to be religious. God has not asked you to give a little of the edges of your life. God has not asked you to, to add a little bit of Bible knowledge to your, your day. He's looked you in the face and from the cross said, I have given my life to you and I am asking you to give your life unconditionally to me. Your life in the world no longer belongs to you. I'm asking you to offer it. That I may guide it, save it, fill it, and live it. It's a countercultural invitation. You know, from a, a consumeristic society, from a, a greedy, selfish, sort of a, a me-first culture that, that is based on a scarcity mentality, we have this this lone voice from heaven saying, no, 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 I want you to opt out. I want you to give up your life and to realize that my life begins only with a willing death. One of my sins is that I often do the right thing. I don't always do the right thing, but I often do the right thing with a reluctant heart. Any of y'all with me on that? I mean, you know, sometimes it's kind of one of those, oh, all right, God, I, I will. But the scripture tells us that Jesus was very different in Philippians 2.8 in terms of how he gave what God asked. Scripture says that he became obedient, even obedient to a death on the cross. And it wasn't an aw shucks, God, if you make me. It was a willing offering of, of his life in the world for a life um, that was very surprising, very unexpected, very, very unrecognized. The truth is, guys, we are not Christian consumers. Um, we are not God shopping to get all we can uh, in this world, to collect as much stuff as we can, to own as many uh, things as we can, to get as many of the properties as we can, and then to soak it to as many other people as we can, you know, by, by living with a me-first um, you know, get it all mentality. That, that's not kingdom. That's not Christ. We are called to a counterculture. And this is a culture where we live giving. In fact, we live giving a given life. We are Christ followers who don't find our life on earth on earth at all. And I'm telling you, when you wrap your head around that, it will uh, it'll make your head spin. 
Because it's very natural on earth to look around and say, okay, this is what it'll take to make me happy. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I'm owed. This is what I'm due. And then we spend our life energy gathering all this stuff, building our little life, in, in imagining a future and working towards that. And we spend our whole life scratching around in the dust of earth to get what we think we need. And Jesus said, give it up. You're not going to find your life on earth, on earth at all. In fact, he said, if anyone wants to come after me um, and follow me, they've got to deny themselves, take up their cross daily and, and, and be with me. So the only way to find our life is to give it up. The only way you'll ever be be fulfilled is to become empty. In fact, if you're here today and your spiritual life is not very alive at all, I want to suggest to you that one of the reasons why it's not living is because you're not dying. And that if you will die and give what God has asked, you will find a whole new spirit, a whole new power, a whole new anointing of God alive in your life. In Romans 6, 8, Paul said, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So the only way to live Jesus is to die and to share his death. And I know this may sound pretty strange, but I, I just want to remind you what you've been asked to give. You haven't been asked to give a little on the edges. You haven't been asked to, to give... Um, you know, just something that is of no cost, you've been asked to give your whole life on earth. That you no longer live for you, but now you are living for Christ and Christ alone. Sounds counterintuitive to find your life in giving up, but, but I want you to think about it like this. All Jesus is really asking us to do is to die to what's already killing us. So, um, you know, you've got cancer. Well, you know, the only real way you're going to make it is the cancer dies. It dies, you live. You've got a virus and it's making you sick. Well, guess what? The only way for you to be healthy is for it to die so you can live. And, and whatever you and I might have from, from bacteria or biology on earth... The truth is, the only way that we're healthy is if necessary things die. And the message of Jesus is that we have to die to everything that's killing us. We have to die and give up our entire life to him. So, um, if, if Christ is our life then, if we give our life away and he becomes our life, then the reality is that that this world can no longer be home to us. You know, if, if, if we keep our life in this, this, um, this world for ourselves and say, I'm in charge, I'm in control, I'm going to do what I want, Jesus said we lose our life. Um, if we give away our life, we save it. And it's a question of what we're going to call home. The reality is there's always going to be a struggle between low-cost religion and high-cost relationship. And low-cost religion will allow you to make peace with the world, um, will allow you to use the, the kind of the words of God and the appearance of God, but in, in truth, you're really still all about finding your life here. 
You're still all about your plan. You're still all about your rank, your advancement, your accumulations, uh, what you own, you know, uh, or, or maybe you'll put it off a little farther future and, and, and you know, and what you're, you know, you're going to get in the end. But the reality is, if you belong to Christ, you've opted out of the this world plan. And you're not at home here anymore. This, this isn't your home. Um, uh, the, the scripture says in Hebrews 13, 14, for this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. So guys, you know, if, if you all came to live at our house for, for a few days, I, I said for a few days. If you came to live at our house for a few days, I hope that you'd be welcomed. I hope you'd be happy. I hope you'd feel, you know, like, you know, you're, you're, you know, wanted and, 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 and loved guests and everything. But you know what? After a few days, you're still going to feel like guests, most likely. I mean, you know, uh, you know, when somebody else is at your home or when you're at somebody else's home, it's just not the same. You know, you can't run around in your shorts, right? I mean, everything's got to be clean. Um, and and, and there's, this, there's just this sense of, you know, when you finally get home, ah, oh, it's good to be here. If you feel odd, if you feel to be an outsider, um, if you feel different, rejected, if you feel kind of like, you know, you don't belong, the reason is, is because you don't belong. You don't belong to this world. You don't fit here. You're not home here. Um, the God of this age hates you, and, and he is a liar, and he's going to deceive you, and, and, and you're, you feel strange because you're a stranger here. And that's what Paul said as well. And, and the number of people who who give up their, their life on earth and, and recognize, you know what, I'm not going to ever be at home here, so I'm not even going to try. My home is in heaven, and that's where I'm going to focus. And, and the number of people who really make that commitment versus the religious people who try to either live one foot in both worlds or, or try to use God to get the world. Paul put it this way in Philippians 3.18. He said, For many of whom I've often told you, and now tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. In other words, they, they say the words, but they really mock a life that is fully given to God and, and that's no longer theirs. Their end is their destruction. Paul, you know, when you, when you begin to know Jesus, you begin to, uh, to think longer term. When you, when you invite eternity into your life, you interpret time differently. So their end is their destruction. That's how it's going to finish for them. And, and their God is their belly. Now let's just pause there for a moment because like most of us here are guilty of that. Some of us literally, I mean some of us literally it's like all that matters is what we eat and how we're full, <laughs> you know? And when we're stressed, what do we do? Comfort food! Woohoo! You know, we're not even hungry and we're eating. Why? Because it's a God substitute that we turn to instead of praying. But really what their God is their stomach is talking about is desire. It's talking about appetite and hunger. It's what you want in life and what you're going to do to satisfy yourself. And so, so you may have grown up without the love that you need, so you're going to be warped in certain ways in response to that. And you may grow up demanding respect from other people, you know? 
and, and you're going to establish your place. And, and your desire is to prove your worth and significance. Well, that's your appetite. And it comes from your flesh. That's, that's just the desire of, of living in a broken world. And, and it's the same as your God is your stomach. Maybe you want to play life as a, as a great big monopoly game and you've imagined all the things that you could get that would make you happy. Come on, we've all done this here. You don't have to raise your hands. Let me be the only sinner in the house, you know. But haven't all of us from the time we were children imagined if I only get this. Man, this was natural to me from the time I was a kid. I was in second grade and, and one summer uh, on, on, a, on a base we lived in, uh, I, I got to go to the pool, and I, I, I happened to, to, to realize that the sum total fulfillment of my life that summer, if I got a pair of flippers, swim fins, you know what I'm talking about, if I got a pair of, of flippers, I would be the happiest human being who ever lived on planet Earth, and for all time, I would be fulfilled. And I spent half the summer imagining what it would be like to have these swim fins. How I would, I would just glide through the water like a shark. From one end of the pool to the other. Blissfully looking at the sun. At one with the sea and the world. If only I could have these. I got them. And they hurt my feet. <laughs> and I could not swim well with them. And about three days later, the strap broke, and I was devastated. Welcome to the world. Now, yours may be highly sophisticated. Man, when we get our house, that's going to be good. Man, when we get our house, and I'm going to paint this that way, and, and the yard, oh, er, you know, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the yard. Maybe for you, it's a car, you know. Oh, boy, when I get this new car, it's, that's going to be awesome. Or the job. Or, or the pay raise. Because, guys, you know how much is enough in terms of income? More. Yeah, just a little bit more. Not a, not a lot more, right? Right, because we're not greedy or all that. No, 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 we just want a little bit more. And when we get that, well, then, then what do we want? Just a little bit more. And when we get that, oh, well, this time just a little bit more is going to make me happy. And all we're doing is playing some losing game of Monopoly where at the end of the game, as we stand before God, we got funny money that we can't buy anything with and we lost a tremendous amount of time. We lost our whole life playing an unwinnable game. Paul goes on to say their mind is set on earthly things. And the truth is that not only describes um, you know, uh, religious people, it, it describes a whole lot of Christ followers. Our whole mind is caught up in the whirlwind of earthly things, of, of you know, the whirlwind of what we think we need, what we want, you know, what God should be doing for us. And none of this is from God, for God, and, and of Jesus. And Paul says, no, 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 guys, we're not living like that. We're, we're living a given life. Our citizenship is in heaven. And, and, and we eagerly await a, save for, a Savior from there, Jesus Christ. In other words, our focus is not on the whirlwind of our physical appetites, whether sexual, material, or whatever. Our focus is on, on the eternal uh, love of God. 
Our citizenship is in heaven. We know that we don't belong here, so we're not going to live for here. It's not our home. You know, I, I, uh, I just came from Ethiopia uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and do you know, not one time, not one time while I was there was I, was I mistaken uh, for being um, from Ethiopia. My Oromo did not work for anybody. My Amharic didn't convince a soul. Everybody knew I wasn't from around here. And the truth is, by the way we love and by the way we value and the way we serve and the way we give and the whole counterculture way that we, that we follow a kingdom path, everybody ought to look at us and say, you're not from around here either, are you? So what I want us to do today is to invest for eternity from the generosity of heaven. We don't live with a scarcity mentality. We don't live as orphans unloved. We don't live without the resources of God. We live with all the love of heaven poured out into our hearts. We, we live as thirsty people under Niagara Falls. Uh, we're never going you know, to go dry uh, because we've got an infinite supply. And so we don't live greedy. Uh, we don't live self-centered. Uh, we don't live needing and feeding off of other people. We live with a, a life given to Jesus and, and we remember what we've been asked to give and when we've given everything to God, giving little is, is quite easy. And the truth is, in 2017, our roadmap, we have to become a house of prayer. We've got to get this right. We've got to just naturally uh, learn to bathe all of life in in meaningful um, personal prayer. We have to get our giving side of things right. The Church of Seven Run has a heart problem right now. Some of it's ignorance, uh, maybe some of it's rebellion. I, I hope less of it's uh, rebellion now and more of it's just lack of knowledge. But, but if you're finding it hard to give 10% to God, it's because you haven't given your life. If you're finding it hard to give an offering above that, um, it's because you haven't given everything. When you've given everything... A little is easy, amen? And so, so we live not with a, a, a fearful, um, self-centered, you know, uh, protective, you know, wraparound mentality of where I've got my stuff and don't you come near it. We invest our lives uh, for, for, for the cause of Christ with the generosity that, that God has shown us from the beginning. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. He said, and this is a command, it's not a suggestion. So, so Jesus is saying, hey, hey, some of you are going to hear my message and you're going to give your life to me because it just resonates. It makes sense to you in this broken world. Others of you are going to, going to hear what I say and you're going to look around in the world and you're going to say, Jesus, I don't want what you have. I want what this world gives. But if you want my kingdom, Jesus says, here's what you've got to do. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. You're not here to collect. You're not here to be a hunter-gatherer. You're not here to, to, to see if you can gain the most toys. You see, if you win the rat race, in the end, you're still a... You guys, hang with me here. Uh, it's not what we want to be. So don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves 
Be intentional. Live a life to where it is not about just now, but it is now filled with forever. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is the command of Christ for given life people. This is the way we live in this countercultural fellowship. And this passage of Jesus points to the vulnerability of earth and the invulnerability of heaven. It tells us that everything that we gather as a treasure on earth, we lose. How many of y'all have ever bought a, a piece of clothing that you really, really, really liked? I have this inverse relationship. The more I like something, the more likely I am within 24 hours to put a hole in it, to spill grape juice on it, set it on fire, or lose it in some form or fashion. But how many of y'all, seriously, you've had this experience to where you've had something that you really, really liked, you know, you're, you don't say this out loud, maybe, you know, but you know, boy, I really look good. Come on, some of y'all said that. Ladies, you're, you're looking in the mirror at the dress going, mm-hmm. And then something happens to it. Or it shrinks. You didn't gain weight, but it shrinks. You know, it's like, doggone it. Doggone it. How, how many of you guys uh, can remember getting your first, you know, new or nice car? I mean, this is the first new or nice car without a dent. It actually runs. How cool is that? The windows go up in the rain. I have actually driven a car uh, during a tornado uh, rainstorm in Oklahoma where my hand is out the window working the wiper so I can see. So you finally get this car and it's shiny and it smells good. And, and it stays that way forever, right? What? I can remember, you know, getting my first nice new car and, and then inevitably, you know, the dent in the door. And it's like the phrase that came to my mind is, man, you can't keep anything nice. Not in this world. It's going to rust. But when you invest your life uh, for eternity and you live giving from the generosity of heaven, the promise of heaven is that I will never let anything rust. That everything that you do for my, my kingdom, every, every act of kindness and service, every good thing that you say uh, that speaks my truth, every act of love, I will gather that up and I will keep it and I will pay interest on it and forever and ever and ever you will reap the reward for what you did here in time. Men, read Matthew 5 through 7. Jesus says over and over again, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Everything that you do for Jesus is noticed. The world may not applaud. Uh, you, you may never be important in the eyes of, of this, this, this fallen, you know, broken, sinking Titanic of a, of a place, but Father sees, and He applauds, and He knows. So this highlights the choice we all make in investing our lives. We all give our lives to something or someone. God's asking, will you give your life to me? Remember what you've been asked to give. It asks, where do we believe real wealth is found? Is real wealth found in the monopoly money of, of planet Earth? Is that really where real wealth is found? Is real wealth found in reputation? 
Is it found in status? Is that where real wealth is found? Is it found in having people recognize you and serve you and you be, you know, you be all that in their eyes? Is that where, where real wealth is found? Or is real wealth found in Galatians 5, and 23 where you become the love of God to the world? You become a source of joy in the world, a source of peace and and you become patience in the world, kindness. You become a living, you know, artistic representation of goodness in the world, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In Matthew 25, it's all about the future. It's all about how this world is quickly passing and, and, and forever is, is arriving with, with judgment in mind and, and it begins with the sheep and the goats being separated. The, the sheep are those who are truly uh, listening to, the, to Jesus' shepherd's voice. The goats are those who are you know, braying to their own tune through life and he's going to separate them out. And Jesus said, here are how I could know who were the sheep and the goats. Some of you invested your life for eternity. You weren't about you, and you weren't about collecting stuff. You weren't about looking around in the world and saying, how can I prove my worth here? You gave. And inasmuch as you did it unto the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. And I noticed. And now enter into your reward. It will never end. All that the goats live for, all that they spent their life, um, you know, on, it's a big Ponzi scheme. And they're forever broke, and you're forever rich. Come into my kingdom and, and share my wealth. Guys, you got to make a choice. you got to just Stop. Get out of the whirlwind. Just stop and ask yourself, what am I living for? What's this all about? Am I going to give what Jesus has asked for or am I going to waste my life on what I can never keep? We've got to think. Amen. And that's pretty much what it's all about. And so, um, you know, do we just want your tithes and offerings? Uh, no, we want a whole lot more than that. We want your life given in this century, in this time, in this critical uh, turning point in American history. We want your life given fully for Jesus. You dead, him alive. God living in you powerfully, your life given away, you're no longer tied up in your own dreams and, and wants and wishes, but now the dreams of God 
are, are unleashed in you and you are serving and loving and leading and giving. You look at the world and say, why is it so broken? The answer is because we are not dying. God uses us to change the world. So, guys, here's what I want to say to you. That you and I are supposed to give what we've been asked to give. And God has asked us to give our very lives. Our time, our energy, our resources, and our very lives. Without embarrassment, if you've given your life to Jesus, I am asking you to, to obey God and trust Him and, and tithe. And give offerings above that without embarrassment. But that is just the very, very beginning of it all. I'm asking you to set your heart fully on eternity. Even as you live in time and struggle with all the brokenness in this world, I'm asking you to set your heart fully on eternity and what God would have you do. And I'm asking you to invest for eternity from the generosity of heaven. You don't have to worry that you don't have enough. You don't have to worry that you're not gifted enough, that you're not good enough, that, that, that you're not able because in Christ you are. And through your life given, God can change the world. If you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never given your life to him, I want to challenge you to do that right now. Be free of yourself. Die to what's killing you in this world. The cancer, um, the, the love of this world. I'm, I'm asking you to, to, to literally give your life away and begin a whole new life with a prayer as simple as this. If you want to accept him now, I'm asking you to bow your head and just pray this prayer uh, in your heart uh, and mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Please forgive my sin. Take control of my life. I give it freely to you. Please lead me and make me the person you want me to be. All right, everybody look up here at me. If you prayed that prayer, everything changes from this point forward. It'll grow like a seed, but everything begins to change. I'm going to ask you to take that card in your seat and simply to fill it out and, and to mark on there, today I accepted Jesus and I gave my life to him and, and let us walk with you. Let us be a friend to you. Let us help you grow and, and lead you as a disciple. If you're here today and you are already a true, authentic follower of Jesus, but your life and, and mind have been caught up in the world, you're in the whirlwind, you're, you're worried about this and consumed with that and, and unhappy about this thing, I'm going to ask you to remember what you've been asked to give. You've been asked to give your life away. And if you've taken it back on your hands, it'll never work. You can never know Jesus. You can never be fulfilled. You can never be happy. Once you've tasted of Christ, you have to let him lead. So today, give your life back. Give control back. Give the priority back and get back on track investing your life for Jesus.
and to live in time investing from eternity. And may the generosity of God flow through you and through your mouth and, and through your hands and through your feet. And, 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 and may we all see Jesus because you no longer live. Christ, he lives in you. Let's stand and let's respond as God would have us to. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends.